Welcome to the Liberty Leadership in Lies with Larry Linton podcast. For those of you who are new listeners, this podcast will be about exactly what the title implies. We will discuss the state of liberty in our republic today and how it is being eroded by the very institution that was created by our founding fathers to protect it, which is the government that now hates us. We'll also discuss the many different types and styles of leadership that exist today, but more frequently we'll talk about how our republic is best served by true servant leadership in elected office. On the topic of lies, we will discuss the many pervasive lies that are told in society today, and not only by our government, but their willing partners in the news media, social media, and tech sectors. These lies, they're designed to rob us of our liberty and destroy our trust in and reliance on the founding principles of our nation and its constitution. I will also use a portion of each episode to discuss my election campaign to represent Tennessee's House of Representatives, District 12. And what I hope to accomplish with my campaign is just basically a couple of things. I want to bring to Nashville an example of what following an oath to the Constitution looks like. And this is based upon my 30 years of service to our nation in the United States Navy. Additionally, once I am in Nashville, I would like to restore the state's role as the creator of and the parent to the federal government. What a lot of people don't realize is that our federal government is not a party to our Constitution, but it is a product of the Constitution. And this Constitution is a charter between all of the states that empowers the federal government with certain and extremely limited powers, such as providing for the common defense and to regulate trade. We can also discuss any tactics or techniques the listeners may have in the fight to restore our nation's founding principles when engaging with what has apparently become the people's enemy over the course of generations now, and that is the government that, one, hates us, and two, only sees us as the means to obtain and maintain power. If you would like to contact the show, just send an email to Larry at LibertyLeadershipAndLies.com. You can also subscribe to my blog there at the website. Additionally, even at the website, you can contribute to my campaign. You can find the podcast and the campaign on social media. Just search for Larry for TN12 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook for the campaign info and Liberty Leadership and Lies with Larry Lynn for the podcast social media pages. I'm also on Telegram as Liberty Leadership and Lies. I will be recording the show either from the Goat Locker Studio in Sevierville, Tennessee, or on remote locations where my consulting business or election campaign takes me. Hey there, ladies and gentlemen. As I mentioned on Saturday's weekend update, I'm back from another coaching engagement in the Permian Basin. But these turnaround times spent at home before heading back to Texas seem to be getting shorter and shorter. If you saw any of the show's social media posts over the weekend, you would know that we are once again experiencing some technical difficulties with the podcast. At least I hope they are technical difficulties, not anything nefarious like big tech suppressing the message. So some of the podcast platforms out there were not updating with the most recent episodes. Apple, Spotify, Overcast, and some of the others didn't show any episodes more recent than 16 February. And I also noticed that analytics on the listenership had dropped significantly, so I started to investigate. The good news is that you can always listen to the podcast on the show's home at anchor.fm. If you are having trouble finding it on your preferred podcast platform, let me know. Send an email listing the date and time you attempted to listen and the platform you tried listening to it on to 
larry-for-tn12 at protonmail.com. I have corrected some of the platform's RSS feeds and need to see if those corrections worked for you all. The struggle with running a podcast is very real, my friends. I do believe that I have worked out the glitch in the matrix and shared last week's episode on my social media pages last night. In other news, Denise, Kaylee, Eric, and I had a great time this weekend. Denise's younger sister and husband came into town from out of state and we were able to show them some good old-fashioned East Tennessee hospitality. We capped off the weekend with another wonderful Sunday service and message from our pastor at Pathways Church before the couple headed home. So let's all give Chris and Mary Beth a shout out here on the podcast and let them know that they are welcome to the best county and the best state anytime they want to come for another visit. I'd also like to ask another favor from all of you. If you can, please visit the revamped website of libertyleadershipandlies.com. The lovely and talented Kaylee has worked hard on some of the updates to the website. And of course, your feedback would always be appreciated. You can send your feedback to the same email address, larry-for-tn12 at protonmail.com. Now let's get on with the topic of lies this week. We'll talk about the lies that are being told about the situation in Ukraine right now. Don't get me wrong on this though. I certainly empathize with the people of Ukraine right now. Also, it seems that their former comedian turned president has shown some true courage in the face of Putin's invasion. I am not a Putin sympathizer or apologist. Far from it. I want you all to consider this, though. If both major political parties are cheering on getting involved in this conflict, you must know that it is bad for the people and good for their pockets. For the GOP, it means more money in the pockets of the military-industrial complex and their party's big money donors. For the Communist or Democrat Party, they are grasping at any opportunity to bolster their dementia-riddled White House occupants' poll numbers. After all, it seems like every conflict our nation has been involved in since the end of the Vietnam conflict seems to bring us together like nothing else. And none of these conflicts we have inserted ourselves into have been a constitutionally declared war either. We've spoken about this in the past, too. The War Powers Act and other machinations of Congress has been their way to either, one, deflect blame in case things go bad for our nation, like Vietnam, or two, take credit for successful engagements like Kosovo or Desert Storm. They completely abdicated their constitutional authority to declare war for purely political reasons. Much like this Ukraine situation is, in my opinion. And let me tell you, this has led to some knockdown, drag-out conversations with people in my inner circle. Even my mother, one of the staunchest conservatives out there, wants to get personally involved in this situation. Our media, yes, even those that are supposedly on the conservative side, are bolstering the message of how we need to get more involved right now, or that we should have done something earlier. Forgetting the fact that it is because of our involvement earlier that led us to this point. That and the actions and policies of our country's communists and government. Let's get this premise out of the way first, though. Yes, Russia's President Putin did choose this war. But if you pull back the layers of this onion, layers upon layers of lies and half-truths and foreign policy blunders, we can see the facts behind all of this. The elites, the new aristocracy, and our own government played a role in Putin choosing this course of action. As I said earlier, if both major political parties are for this, it is bad for us. 
The new aristocracy are working feverishly to cover their early involvement with noble and patriotic rhetoric about the badly outgunned and outnumbered people of Ukraine. Of course, we should all admire people that take up arms to defend their country from an invasion. Unless, of course, that invasion is on our own southern border, but I digress. The people of Ukraine are demonstrating extreme bravery and courage in the face of intense adversity. Yes, even their president, I think everybody is learning his name now, is demonstrating great courage by standing up to the Goliath that is the Russian army invading his country. What we all must acknowledge, though, is that it was our government, the new aristocracy, through its policies, that put those people in harm's way in the first place, on several different fronts as well. Many of our own administrations has used Ukraine as a weapon in the past couple of decades. First it was against Russia, then it was against themselves. During those years, we did not give any consideration to the people of Ukraine that would put them in the position of having to pay the price for our involvement in the first place. So please, please, please do not consider this episode as somehow defending Putin's actions. There is no defense for them. But our nation's political leaders shoulder some of the blame as well. Despite what you are, and really are not, hearing from the legacy news media on this. The new aristocracy in our republic has for years used the country of Ukraine as a weapon in its attempts to destabilize Russia, and more particularly Russian President Vladimir Putin. Here's the kicker though, and one of the reasons why I am vehemently against anybody in our nation risking life and limb in the country of Ukraine. Ukraine's own political and extremely corrupt aristocracy allowed their country to be used as a pawn in the fight between the United States, the European Union, and Russia. They enriched themselves in the process of allowing the situation to get to the point where their own citizens are paying the price for their greed. Yes, even the much-lauded President Zelensky. He has become the very picture of a modern-day hero with no investigating his role in the build-up to the Russia invasion. He could have gone a long way to preventing this war by rooting out the corruption in his government, which was the basis for the phone call that resulted in the communists approving the first articles of impeachment against former President Trump. President Zelensky was playing two ends against the middle in that situation, never banking on a Russian invasion that is resulting in the deaths of his citizens and another humanitarian disaster in Europe. Why haven't we heard much about the situation in Ukraine besides the Hunter Biden and Trump's impeachment and now the Russian invasion? It is because discussing it openly would mean that our own national security apparatus's role would be exposed in two separate coups in Ukraine. The first one in 2014, which targeted the government of Ukraine, and the second one, which we should all be familiar with, occurred two years later and involved targeting our own government. With the government of Ukraine recognizing that its actions were putting more on the opposing side against Moscow, it started pushing for entry into NATO. Our esteemed former rock star wannabe and current Secretary of State Anthony Blinken publicly endorsed that idea. Of course, endorsing it with no intention of it occurring either, further increasing tension between Russia and Ukraine. When old Vlad started massing soldiers and equipment on the border with Ukraine, did our dementia-riddled ice cream connoisseur and his administration force itself to rethink its very public position on the near-impossible situation of admitting Ukraine into NATO? Of course not, because that would have been the intelligent thing to do. Instead, they doubled down on the messaging. 
But we're all used to blunders by this administration. What's one more? And there is the fact that our media, they're not reporting this as a blunder. They're using it as a rallying cry to support the brave and courageous people of Ukraine and their stand against the aggressor that is Russia, completely papering over the fact that Russia was forced into this situation by the meddling in the government of Ukraine by both us and the European Union. Now, you may or may not know about any of this history unless you have dug into the situation a little deeper, which a vast majority of Americans will not do because we are enthralled by the stories of destruction, resilience, bravery, and courage, and also the humanitarian disaster that is filling our news feeds and cable television news networks. Very few people are aware of the role our nation played in the 2013-2014 coup in Ukraine that toppled a Russia-friendly government in Kiev. Just who was the President of the United States at this time? Well, that would be Barack Obama. Nor are most people aware of the 2004-2005 Orange Revolution backed by George W. Bush. Hmm. We were all distracted by events in the Middle East and the global war on terror while both major political parties were busy contributing to the destabilization of Europe. As a matter of fact, most of the people that personally ran President Obama's Ukraine policy in Ukraine back in 2013-2014 are now in the White House and the State Department again. People like Anthony Blinken, Jake Sullivan, Victoria Nuland, Susan Rice, and many others. They are the examples of the new aristocracy controlling the reins of power in our republic. Not only to the detriment of our people in our country, but to the people and country of Ukraine and many others around the globe. Look beyond the messaging about the acts of courage and bravery of the people of Ukraine to the facts. Our government and the so-called foreign policy experts on nearly all media outlets, yes, even so-called conservative media outlets, especially look at how the major political party pundits and elected officials on both sides of the aisle are using strategic messaging on this issue. Almost every single one is united in their claims that Ukraine is an ally of the United States of America. Well, there is not one single treaty making them an ally that requires us to defend their country. We do have a bilateral investment treaty where we have an export-import relationship with a country, but to claim that they are an ally is a lie. How about the strategic messaging that they are a democracy? The Ukraine government holds elections with political opposition and people participate in the voting process, but that's about the only thing that it does that would give it the appearance of a Western democracy. But in what is now called a democracy in Western civilizations, the government does not arrest political opponents like they do in Ukraine. As a matter of fact, look at the people that are incarcerated here without bail for the January 6th riots of 2021. Yes, the riots and demonstrations that took place more than a year ago. Those political opponents have been arrested and jailed for more than a year now. Modern democracies do not shut down opposition media. Oh wait, isn't that what our government's allies and big tech, legacy news media and social media are doing? At the behest of the masters in government? That's also what Ukraine's democracy does right now. I guess that is a bad comparison, though. I guess the United States and Ukraine are more alike than different. Huh. Also, Ukraine is not a beacon of freedom that the media is trying to sell us all right now, either. All of that are lies to either garner support or sympathy. But the strategic messaging is quite effective. You can see it all over social media, in places of worship, at the dinner table, and on the news. Ukraine is an ally that we must defend. Absolute lies that are dragging us deeper into a conflict that we have no business being a part of. 
Not one American should risk life and limb in efforts to support a government that would callously allow its own citizens to be killed or displaced in its efforts to place the West against Russia. One only must look at a map and start to understand the geopolitical landscape of what is happening. Ukraine is situated between the European Union and Russia. With no actual military alliances with either, Ukraine is merely a buffer state. As a buffer state, Ukraine, like in every other buffer state's best interest, they should work to maintain cordial relations with both of its neighbors or risk getting taken over by one of those powers. This can be traced back to the warnings of the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah warned Israel to not side with Pharaoh in the conflict with Babylonia. What happened? Well, Israel was defeated and dragged off into exile. While Israel's geography did not change, it is no longer a buffer state, but a regional power. Israel was able to do this by acquiring a nuclear arsenal, something which Ukraine does not, nor can it, have since it gave it up in an agreement with, da-da-da, guess who? Yep, a security agreement, not a mutual defense treaty, with the United States. That's a very poor strategy to give up its own national security to a country half a world away. It in turn allowed itself, Ukraine that is, to be a proxy in a larger conflict as well as turn itself into a money laundering facility for the political elites, the new aristocracy of the West. And here is where you would recognize the involvement of Hunter Biden and Burisma. We cannot forget that as Vice President under Barack Obama, Joe Biden leveraged $1 billion in aid to persuade Ukraine to oust its top prosecutor, Viktor Shokin, in March of 2016. A quid pro quo. Well, that's what the communists called it when President Trump did something similar while on the phone with President Zelensky. All the information I just shared is out there for the public to research and exercise some critical thinking in the background of the entire situation in Europe right now. We cannot let our emotions be manipulated with the lies the aristocracy and their media enablers are peddling to garner support in what will ultimately be another unconstitutional conflict. Except this time the stakes are much higher. It will be a conflict with Russia, a nuclear-armed superpower with the backing of China, another nuclear-armed superpower. The old saying about reaping what you sow comes to mind. The corrupt government of Ukraine is reaping what they sowed for years. Like other corrupt governments, it will be the people that suffer the most. I do not exclude our own government from that list of corrupt governments. Ours is not only corrupt, but insanely self-destructive. The communists and their energy policies have put our nation in a much more dangerous position, as well as a hypocritical position. Up until Tuesday, while sending aid to the Ukrainians, we were also funding the Russians' war efforts because we gave up on being energy independent and became reliant on foreign energy sources once again. Foreign energy sources like paying for and importing oil from none other than Russia. Do not fall for the lying strategic messaging on Ukraine. You can be empathetic and sympathetic with the people, but not at the future cost of our sons and daughters. You can work to ensure these things do not happen in the future as well by working to ensure corrupt politicians that do not follow their oath or support the Constitution are no longer elected to office. 
Our founding fathers were brilliant in their setup of the Constitution in that if we followed it, our nation would not put itself and we the people into the situation we see unfolding before our eyes every day. So follow the situation closely. Provide humanitarian aid if you can. You owe it to yourself and your fellow citizens to ensure our republic does not get embroiled into this fight. Even though our corrupt government played a significant role in getting this fight started. In no way should we ever consider spilling one ounce of American treasure in another undeclared foreign war. Especially in the defense of a corrupt foreign government. And most of our country right now is making public proclamations all over social media and stuff about how they stand with the people of Ukraine. Yet, they could not even stand with the family, friends, neighbors, and co-workers over the past two years as our republic dealt with government and medical tyranny on our own shores. America first cannot and should not be the victim of our currently selected corrupt regime. So enough on the lies behind the strategic messaging of this Ukraine fiasco. Let's talk about some lies going on right here in Tennessee. Lies told to us by the Republican supermajority in the General Assembly. A week ago, those very same trans-publicans failed once again in fulfilling their oath. A patient's rights bill failed in subcommittee. The Health Care Recipient Rights Act would have ensured that patients would be allowed visitation by family members, and advocates in the case of an inability to make one's own medical decisions. We have all seen the devastation here in Tennessee and around the country over the course of the pandemic, with family members and healthcare advocates being denied the opportunity to visit their loved ones in hospitals. People dying all alone in hospital rooms receiving treatments against family members' wishes. The physical and mental health of people and their families were being destroyed all over the country by many tyrants addicted to federal dollars that claimed to be following the science. The bill would have also required informed consent for treatments that were authorized for emergency use only. The subcommittee and its chair, a representative Bob Ramsey, Republican of District 20, which is my neighboring district to the west in Merville, promised the bill's sponsor, Representative Todd Warner, Republican of District 92, that advocates for the bill would be allowed to share their testimony to the committee in support of this piece of legislation. Again, keep in mind, this legislation will protect the people's rights to care for their family members, a self-evident, unalienable, God-given right. Before I go much further, though, I'm going to list the names of the committee members for the audience and their stated political party affiliation. As I already mentioned, the chair of the committee is Bob Ramsey, a Republican out of Mervo, Clark Boyd, Republican out of Lebanon, David Byrd, Republican out of Waynesboro, Bob Freeman, Communist out of Nashville, of course, Mark Hall, Republican out of Cleveland, Darren Jernigan, Communist out of Old Hickory, Sabi Kumar, nicknamed Doc, a Republican out of Springfield, Pat Marsh, Republican out of Shelbyville, Paul Sherrill, Republican out of Sparta, Brian Terry, Republican out of Murfreesboro, and finally, Robin Smith, Republican out of Hickson, who not only spectacularly failed a piece of similar legislation last year, just resigned because he's being indicted. As you just heard, the makeup of the committee is nine representatives that claim to be Republicans and two Communists. One would think the party that claims to protect individual rights and shrink the power of government would be in favor of legislation that did that very thing. 
Well, since I'm discussing it here, we know that that did not happen. But the method in which it happened is indicative and goes to the very heart of why political parties are not only allowing the erosion of our rights, they are downright enabling it or actively working towards it. Doctors and citizens from all over Tennessee showed up in Nashville last week to speak to the committee and advocate for passage of the bill. They showed up to do what active participants in our self-governance are supposed to do, instruct their representatives on what to do. Decades of apathy has led our elected representatives to behave as rulers instead of representatives, though. These advocates that came in and supported the bill packed the committee room and the hallways. Remember, the committee chair promised the bill's sponsor that advocates would be allowed to testify. Well, when it came up on the agenda last week, Chairman Ramsey announced that no action would be taken on the bill because the committee had run out of time. He graciously, I don't know if my sarcasm comes through the microphone on that as much as I intended it to, but Chairman Ramsey graciously agreed to give the sponsor 10 minutes for three speakers. Before allowing that to happen, though, he asked for a motion and a second on the bill. A motion was made, but not seconded. Not seconded by a committee that had nine declared Republicans and only two communists. That committee was bound and determined to let the Health Care Recipient Rights Act die in committee before it ever came up for a full floor vote. This is how little the Transpublicans in our General Assembly think about the people of Tennessee's God-given rights to determine how their health is cared for. They will lie and give lip service to show fake support of true liberty legislation, but will work to kill it, violating their oaths once again. It will be interesting to see who those representatives have as their political benefactors. Just who is donating to their campaigns? I'll be looking it up for sure, but you should all do the same. In closing this week, I would like to leave you all with this from God's Word. And this week it comes to us from Jeremiah 9, 8. Their tongue is a deadly arrow, it speaks deceitfully. With their mouths they all speak cordially to their neighbors, but in their hearts they set traps for them. Our General Assembly did just that last week. As I mentioned in the introduction to the episode, please follow the campaign and podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Telegram. Maybe True Social here too in the near future. I share this with you all in the hopes that you will visit the show and the campaign sites. More importantly, once you visit them, share them with your family, friends, neighbors, and coworkers. If you can, please donate to my election campaign. Every little bit will help get me elected and take on the communists and transpublicans in our General Assembly. Until next week, stand in the arena with me. Reveille, it's time to wake up.